Ten years ago, on the night of October 31st, a small Midwestern town fell victim to an escaped killer. Under the cover of darkness, he carried out the most horrifying mass murder on record. Sixteen people in cold blood. Ever since that night, no one has forgotten his name. And Halloween has never been the same. I like it spooky. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the I Like It Spooky podcast. I'm Brian. I'm Jason. And I'm Clint. And before we get into today's episode, we have an exciting announcement. So our exciting announcement this episode is we are joining the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, the PFPN. Woo! You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. And since we're the 31st podcast on the network, what better to do than Halloween 1 and 2? Of course you would choose Halloween 1 and 2. I don't think it has anything to do with that we're the 31st podcast on this network. It's just because you wanted a way to you know, talk about your favorite movies. I knew it. Look, it's too late. We already started the opening. We're going with it. <sighs> so to celebrate this occasion, us joining the network and Jason getting to talk about his favorite film series of all time we're going to do a little giveaway now the giveaway is going to be pretty simple what we're going to do is we're putting together a silver shamrock t-shirt a rabbit and red lounge t-shirt and then there's going to be two vinyl decals a silver shamrock decal and a haddonfield memorial hospital vinyl decal we're going to put all these together and we're going to put them up on all of our social networks now to enter in the contest to have a chance to grab this stuff all you have to do is comment and share um, our posts. And we're going to run it for uh, about two weeks, and then we will announce the winner on the next episode of the I Like a Spooky podcast. Very cool. Since these are uh, two of Jason's all-time favorite movies, he will be doing most of the talking, and Clint and I will take a nap. But first, let's check out the news. <laughs> We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. So we got some exciting news for you this week. Uh, one of the biggest horror franchises is getting a reboot. Uh, the Exorcist, which kind of nervous about, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, David Gordon Green is going to be directing this. He's coming off of finishing up this new Halloween trilogy. So I'm kind of exciting. I liked what he did with the Halloween trilogy. Now he's kind of going into The Exorcist. Uh, and Ellen Burstyn, who was in the original Exorcist, I guess has already filmed her scenes. So ahead of everything else, so she already got her part done. Kind of excited. Uh, this is set for a 
release on October 13th, 2023. Hell of Next a time year. to release it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And supposed to be a trilogy. Okay. So three new Exorcist movies coming. I'm crazy excited about this. What do you guys think? Uh, if it, but these are supposed to be sequels, right? Like a continuation from the original story. These aren't because they did the Exorcist yeah, four there a while back, the beginning that was like a prequel. But these are sequels, right? Well, I don't know. I thought it was a new trilogy. So, are is it like it's a reboot? So, does that mean it's a sequel, or I think they're just they're redoing it? Oh, okay. So I think yeah, I think. It, I assumed it was going to be like a continuation, like, <clears throat> you know, Reagan and her mom are older now and, you know, the Pazuzu comes back or something. Yeah. Oh, oh no. Here it says Universal and Blumhouse are behind the upcoming franchise relaunch, which plans to make an entire trilogy of new Exorcist. Oh, sequel movies. Okay. There, yeah. That's what I. Yeah. So yeah. I guess maybe a sequel from the original or. I don't know. It's kind of weirded word or yeah. <laughs> worded weird. Exactly. <laughs> I'm excited for it. Nonetheless, I'll, I will be down to watch that. So are we getting into like the Halloween where they are like, what that new word that people made up requels where they're like a sequel, but it's a reboot and it's got some of the same stuff, but not all of the same story, you know, yeah. It's 2023. Who the hell knows anymore? Anything yeah. is fucking possible. Anything. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Did you guys watch the Exorcist, the TV series at all? No. I watched the, it was on Fox. Yeah. I watched yeah. the first season and part of the second season, mm-hmm. and I liked it. I don't know why yeah, I, I didn't really finish enjoyed it. it too. Yeah. I need to go back and rewatch that. It got kind mm-hmm. of weird. I remember, but yeah. the first season was great. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I liked watching, there was an episode um, covering The Exorcist on Shudder of the, the Cursed Films, part two mm-hmm. or whatever, and they, they covered The Exorcist. That that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited from this new segment that Friday the 13th will be in October of next year. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, did it say Friday, though? I think it just said October 13th. So. October 13th. And if that's a Friday, then spooky, spooky. Yeah. Let's go. I'm forward. hoping so. Here, I'm going to go for it. It is. It is a Friday. Ooh. That happened have, last year, too, I think, or the year before. We had a Friday the 13th in October. You'll have to make some hard choices on what you want to watch The Exorcist or every theater in a 100 mile radius showing Friday the 13th. Yeah, Exorcist. Yeah. <laughs> So it looks like Dread Central's uh, got some information on a disturbing found footage film called The Miranda Murders. That's the lost tapes of Leonard Lake and Charles, uh, the last name's N.G. Ning. Um, it's got a re-release in the works. It was on um, Amazon Prime for several years. Um, and it sounds like it's based on real murders. Like these two killers that really murdered people. So... Um, the people that made the movie, one of the things that I, I've never seen it, but reading into it, I really love is all the money they made from it to honor the victims of the murders and their families. They gave back to charities, um, in the area. Um, so they're re-releasing it, maybe Blu-ray DVD or even in the theaters. 
Um, but it sounds like it's a lot along the lines of uh, like Cannibal Holocaust and Faces of Death, where there's uh, real information in there. Um, and they're playing it that way that these were the actual tapes and the murders. But of course, it's not. Um, mm -hmm. Be interesting. It's something you guys know. I've talked about this, some of the stuff I watch, and this is right up my alley. I went to look on Prime, and it's not there anymore. And you, of course, you can't get it to watch anywhere. So they've probably pulled it down so that they can get it, you know, ready for re-release. And I'll definitely be checking it out. It's interesting. Yeah, I checked in with with my resident true crime expert, Melissa. Um, I'm pretty sure she knows about 17 different ways to kill me right now as we speak, and no one would ever know. But I saw that, and I I, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know if it was like a faces of death gimmick, you know, some found footage stuff. Um, so I went to her, and she actually hadn't heard of it either. So she looked it up and said, "Yeah, that it was uh, based on real events where these guys would record, you know, them." you know, murdering random people or whatever, almost like a mm. stuff, a snuff film. So definitely some dark material. I mean, it's cool to hear that they're doing something, um, you know, noble, I guess with, with the profits, but. Mm. Yeah. It's a touchy subject with that. Of course. I wondered if it was from the eyes of the killers, which is pretty twisted. Yeah. Well, I was cruising through the news, and I am super uber excited about this because I am a massive fan. And uh, Entertainment Weekly just reported recently that Skybound is publishing a five-issue comic book anthology based on the Shutter TV show Creep Show. So, um, Creep Show is going to be coming back to the comic shelves with a five-issue uh, series, and it's going to launch September twenty-first. And uh, each, each issue is going to um, feature different creative teams from the world of comics, film, television, and beyond. Um, now, there, you know, the, the Creepshow TV series, it's got mixed reactions. Um, some people love it. Some people hate it. But I'm a fan. And you, you can put Creepshow on, you know, put the title Creepshow on anything, and I'm going to eat it up. So uh, I'm going to be excited to see it come back to the comic it's comic roots to pay tribute to the early EC stuff. Very cool. Yeah. I'm super excited for that. When, does it say when it comes out? Yeah. It, um, it launches September 21st. And, um, I don't think all five Did issues are already coming out, but yes, I understand. You don't listen to me. You don't okay. care. Uh, no, I just wanted to know because I will cut. I will cut that out. <laughs> I thought you. Case <laughs> you guys can't see this, but I mean, he, he touched a nerve, and I'm drying some tears of sadness here from my eyes. <laughs> yes, the twenty. No, I'm excited for this September. So, so the creep show uh, on Shutter, like the the remake of it. It's it's kind of hit or miss per episode. Of course, they have some. They've had some great episodes, and then they've had some that I don't like. But I'm sure other people have liked them. But I'm so excited to check it out. I'm going to have to buy these, you know, as the collector, of course. So coming soon a, on the future. Why am I so poor? I don't know. That'll be well. It. Speaking of speaking of collector stuff, uh, NECA's coming out with the 40th anniversary um, creep. 
you know, from from Creepshow. So a new new Creepshow action figure is coming. But one one of the things I dig about the uh, the show, the series is, and Brian's talked about this is as his son Jack gets older, you know, one of the few things that he can really connect with them about is they sit around and watch Joe Bob, which is cool. They have something that they can share. Uh, the creep show TV series has become that for me with my youngest, um, <clears throat> as she's getting older, you know, they kids grow up and develop their own tastes and likes and do their own thing. But her and I would run down and Melissa comes with us. And that's kind of our, one of our times to spend together is to watch creep show and talk about it. So very cool stuff. Yeah, I need to keep up with it. I need to go back and watch it. I feel like I've watched all of them unless they've put out new episodes in the past like month or two. Um, it's something no, just, that just, I, just the three seasons is all. Yeah. Okay. It seems like I always forget about it. And then there's one day where we just go through and watch a bunch of them and kind of what you're saying too, when we're watching them, my kids are like, Oh, creep show. And they get into it too. Mm-hmm. They don't know the original creep show. I've tried to show it to them and, I don't know. I don't remember if they loved it or not. I kind of felt like they thought they were kind of dated stories, but I mean, not the stories, but just they can tell it was a dated movie. So that kind of turned them off against it. But yeah, especially my oldest, she kind of liked watching the new creep show with us. That's signs of us getting older, man. You know, like I remember being younger and, you know, my parents or grandparents watching old black and white movies and stuff. And what are we watching? You know, this isn't cool. This is so old. And now no matter how good the film is, yeah, I try to get my daughters to watch stuff with me and they're like, 1980 what? All right. You know, they fall asleep or they leave. Yeah. One of my, my probably Terrible. one of my all time favorite horror movies. I think it's crazy that creep show is 40 years old. So, I mean, stuff would be dated from 40 years ago. I mean, you can't really put anything on and go back and watch anything from 40 years ago. And it, all be you know up to date there's always you know some slang term or something happens and you're like that's kind of cringy but uh Mm -hmm. i like the creep show episodes two on shutter because i feel like there's not a lot of blood and sex and violence and nudity so you can share that with your younger kids and there's enough good writing and acting that older kids and adults can enjoy it also. So it's kind of a nice mixture. What was that episode where they were in the new studio and some, when some like parasite taken over or some bloody. Yeah. That was the one that was the mystics and Bali. No, that wasn't mystics and Bali. Was that one bloody too? It was the play on Bob Ross. It was like the evil dead Bob Ross crossover. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't that one bloody? Yeah, but I feel like it's blood on like a surface. You don't see like the actual act of like oh, the person oh. getting torn apart. And you know what I mean? I, was, like, I need to go back and watch those again. It was months ago that I watched them last. So, yeah, that was the Bob Ross Necronomicon one. So good. That one was all yeah, yeah. and all that. Yep. I'm excited to be able to read the new comics for sure. Yeah, I was talking about how I share it with with my youngest when she was younger, 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 you know, March's reading month. And uh, I think she was in first or second grade. So I took my original Creepshow comic copy and and gave it to her. And, you know, we'd pose as a picture and send it to the school like, yeah, March is reading month. So I got my daughter reading, you know, and her eyes are all wide. She's looking at this Creepshow comic. I'll have to show that picture on the socials. It's hilarious. 
All right, so that's all with the news for right now. We're going to go ahead and turn it over to Jason to see if he can tell me what the hell is going on with my money. Like, where is it at? Well, it's going to these vendors and distributors of awesome collectibles. And again, this week, same. All right, so, yeah, I bought a couple things this week. Uh, Some things Clint also bought, so I'm going to let him talk about, and I'll kind of chime in with that also. But I've been doing some adulting, and it's kind of sucked. I had to spend my money on brand new windows and new doors for my house. Didn't have to, but just wanted to update it. So my money is long gone because that crap's expensive. Adulting sucks. It's terrible. And I'm also saving my money for this next weekend where we have a big trip coming and I plan on spending a lot of money. So neat. So we watched Night of the Living Dead 1990 for the last episode. And that house had awful doors and windows and the zombies kept breaking in. So you're like, Tanya, which is your wife, we need new doors and windows because if this zombie shit happens, I need windows. The zombies can't break through. That that was it. And these windows have lifetime warranties. I don't know oh, if it yeah. protects against zombies, but maybe someday I'll find out. But yeah, new steel doors. So there you go. Yeah, it, it's it's gonna be nice and fancy. You don't want any of them doors <laughs> like a, a Tony Todd punched right through. You know the right, cheap wooden right. no, empty no. doors. <laughs> no. I live. Well, if you do, I'm going to have to move down there now, so I've got a safe place. You know what I mean? There, yes. <laughs> Let's go. We'll Did you reinforce the guest house? No, we actually, yeah, we do have two new win- The two main windows in that room are getting replaced also. So that'll be nice. But they just still have glass sliding doors. But yeah. It, it's worth it. I'm, I'm actually super excited for windows and doors. It's sad to say, but. Welcome to old age, my friend. Exactly. I had to do some adulting. I had to do some adulting around this round also. Um, My riding lawnmower took a shit. And, you know, what do I do? And I have just under an acre of land. And if I push mow it, it takes me a little over three hours. And between podcasting and day jobs and children and, you know, the T-shirts and the screen printing and the conventions. I don't have time for that. So I had to go drop a whole bunch of money on a new riding lawnmower. Um, that is specifically why I'm going to be poor for the next two months because, you know, now I'm picking up extra hours at work just to make sure I can pay it off quick. Cool thing about it, though, is I got a nice bright red orange Husqvarna. So it kind of ties in with this week's episode. We're recovering Halloween, and now I got a giant pumpkin I'm riding around my yard, you know. Yeah, um, pretty looking but I was, too. oh yeah, yeah. She, I didn't even want to use it. It was just so nice, you know. <laughs> Believe it or not, I mean, I'm four, 44, and this is the first brand new lawnmower I ever owned. But hey, Ooh. enough about lawnmowers. That stuff's boring. Adulting's boring. Um, I did have a little extra cash to pick up a few things, and um, well, first of all, I've already talked about. I got that Return of the Living Dead poster that you guys both have from Moon Island Arts. And that showed up yesterday. So I got that up on the wall and framed and very happy with that. But um, Shout Factory, they did it again. And they announced a child's play. They're coming out. They had different packs where you could get poster art and, you know, the steel book covers and, you know, the Blu-rays and all this stuff. 
but they also had a Chucky action doll from NECA. Um, not the biggest child's play fan. I don't hate it, but, um, I don't typically collect a lot of child's play stuff. Um, but Chucky's all, it's where he's burnt, you know, and just contorted and it just was unique and very cool. And I knew it was going to be limited. Um, and actually I think it was Brian that shared that with us on a group chat and I, I hopped right on it and got it because I've seen those before where, um, they come out with those exclusives and then they're hard to get. They sell out fast, and then they they really carry value with them. So, uh, Jason, you you picked up one of those too, didn't you? When they they did like a re-release, I think. I did. Um, at first, when it was released, I put it in my cart. Then I saw all the shipping they wanted to charge, and it was kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. And I decided not to buy it. Then I heard how excited you got with it. I knew it was limited to 4,000 pieces, which is pretty low, like for worldwide. Right. And um, I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to pass on it. I'm going to pass. Well, then like an out within an hour later, it was sold out. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> and I was really regretting that. And then I, I signed up for that thing. Hey, let me know if it comes back in stock. The next day or the couple of days later, I got another message that it's back in stock. And it was in stock for like, 20 minutes i think and i was able to just sold out again it sold out again yeah so my fomo kicked in and i had to buy it so your fomo what's fomo uh fear of missing out oh (laughs) so it's yeah yep yep so i i did not want to miss out on it plus it's pretty live by yeah it's this chucky's pretty sweet looking too and i love screen factory packaging so I'm sure it's going to be nice. I thought I saw somewhere that they were only doing like 3,000 of them, which for 4,000, yeah. 4,000, that's still mm-hmm. crazy low numbered. I mean, yep. I, I almost got on and bought the 4Ks, but I was like, eh, I'm kind of like you guys. I, I enjoy the series, but I'm not like a huge fan. I'll wait a yep. couple you know, weeks or months and see maybe they'll be on sale and then I'll pick them up, you know, pick up the first but couple. Brian. They have exclusive slip covers. Eh, you don't, right. don't want to miss those. I have the ho- I have the Halloween slip covers. So <laughs> I'm happy with those. I'll keep those, and yeah, I'll get I'll get yes. them eventually. The Charles Spring Factory slip covers are top mm-hmm. notch. Like those are yeah, nice. Yeah. Those well, the Halloween ones thing. aren't even really slip covers. They're like booklets. Well, I, well they're like little boxes. They're yeah, that's what yeah. I meant by slip cover. That's they're pretty freaking nice. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe there's a whole subculture for that. And I was talking with Brian about that recently. You know, he's like, you know, everybody goes gaga over these, um, the steel book covers. And like you say, the slip covers, and I don't even know what they're called. Cause it's just not my thing. And I was kind of like, to, that's so foreign mm-hmm. to me. I don't get it. I was like, but then again, I'm a grown man with a giant room full of toys. So I can't say a whole lot, you know, a vinegar syndrome one. That's a movie that I've never seen. It's called blood hook. And I guess it's like a fishing tournament and there's a serial killer and you can buy the movie still, I mean, on vinegar syndrome and it's their normal price for their movies. But, uh, they did a slip cover like two years ago and the slip cover went out of print. Well, now the slip covers for the movie is like two to 300 bucks on eBay just for the slip cover. That's and insane. it's not, yeah, it's not even a, I mean, I'm sure there's people that know it, but I've never seen it. It's been on my list of what to watch, but that's crazy. You know, like, 
I don't get it. I I mean, I like them too, but I'm not going to spend that much on a slipcover. Well, I was just telling you, I found out that my VHS copy of Dario Argento's Demons is worth like, what did I tell you? It was like 300 bucks now or something like that. Just a VHS that I picked up years ago. That's insane. But So yeah, one yeah. thing I've noticed with, uh, with, with Shout Factory when they do these exclusive action figures, though, is, yeah, they, they keep it to a limited number. Um, and I did the same thing when I got uh, my Harry Warden Minor about a year ago. Shout Factory did a, like a 4,000 run of that. And I, I hopped right on it and grabbed it. But eventually, about a year later, NECA does do like a wide re-release. Um, they did it with a Silent Deadly Night action figure. So I've seen them do it before. Um, and it's, you know, different packaging. And then you got people clamoring to get both. So, <clears throat> but. Not always. They did a Night of the Creeps Tom Atkins, like the cop figure with Scream Factory mm-hmm. that NECA's never released yet. Which I'm, I really want that one. I didn't pick up the original one, so I, I would love a re-release. Yeah, and when they, if you don't jump on it when it first comes out, if you, if you don't catch word, um, then you're gonna wind up paying a, a buttload of money on eBay or something, which is what I did for that Tom Atkins Night of the Creeps because I had to have it. Yep. So. Yep. And speaking of speaking of exclusives, um, NECA was at the was at the San Diego Comic Con. Mm-hmm. And there's another exclusive they had, and they came out with uh, the poster action figure of the movie The Thing. So if you look at the the poster for the movie The Thing, it's a dark silhouette with a guy with a hood and the, the light beams coming out from his from his face. And they had a limited number of those that if you were not at the convention, they uh, they put up for sale and. Uh, Jason and I were in cahoots about that, communicating back and forth to make sure we each got one. I, th- I think we each got two. They had a limited two. Um, so that's another reason. And lastly, and this is not as grand at all, but sometimes I get bored and I just look on online at toys and see what's out there. And I fall down rabbit holes. And I got this Muppets action figure because he was only 20 bucks. And this is Uncle Deadly. If you're a Muppets fan, he wasn't on the show a whole lot. But whenever there was something creepy going on the, the show of the Muppets, like when Alice Cooper was on and did Welcome to My Nightmare, Uncle Deadly showed up. Uh, they had a couple of versions of this. One, he was solid blue. And this one, the one I got, him and the ghost there, they uh, they glow in the dark. So pretty happy with all that stuff. Brian, why is it that you cannot give me a loan to pay my bills? Hmm. Cause I'm cheap. That's the first thing. <laughs> I love the Muppets, but I, I did not adult that I know of. Uh, I guess I did. I put a swing set up and a new screen door on the house, but I, uh, picked this slasher design company is doing, or I think there's still some available. They did a 11 by 17. This has a print run of 150. I got number two. Um, the artist's name, last name is Osborne. So this is the official The Last Drive-In Season 4 poster. I don't know if you can see it or not, but I'll show it on socials. You know, everybody knows I'm a huge Joe Bob Briggs fan, but it's just a beautiful 11 by 17. They had a bigger one, too. I think they had a, the normal 24 by 36 or maybe a different size um, that was only 75. But I picked this one up. Um 
got it in the mail the other day. A guy sent a sticker and a, another poster. They have a Trick or Treat, Scream, Child's Play 2, American Werewolf in London, Hellraiser, and it looks like a Slumber Party Massacre is coming soon. So pick this up. I'm hoping to see Joe Bob and uh, Darcy this year sometime and have him sign it, and I'll stick it up next to my other 11 by 17 Joe Bob print that sits um, right above where I record the podcast and it's autographed by both Joe Bob and Darcy. Um, but I, I had to have it. I mean, and I have another poster. Um, one thing I did pick up that I wanted to talk about that's not here yet. Friday night on Joe Bob. Um, there's a family that did a movie. It's called hellbender. Um, was watching the movie, really enjoyed it. And the soundtrack is out for pre-order. Um, Ship to Shore, I think, is the company that did that. And it comes with a little flexi disc of um, the drive-in anthem done by the family from the movie. Um, their band's called Hellbender. Just a fun soundtrack and a fun movie. And they seem really cool. You know, it's a family. It's a husband, a wife, their daughter, and their other daughter. And they all make movies. They all film together. They all, um, they like tend to shoot the scenes three different ways. And then they'll edit it, and whichever they like the most, they'll put in the movie. You know, and they've did uh, Hellbender, The Deeper You Dig, which are both on Shutter, and they've done some other movies. And sounds like they're working on something right now. But just a fun episode with them three on there talking. And um, I posted a couple things on Twitter, and they liked it and replied. So always fun when you can talk to people like that, and they appreciate that you're a fan and they engage with fans. So that'll be on the future. The, sound, so it'll show. the the soundtrack is the music heavy. I mean, Hellbender. So to me, it's like heavy metal, yeah, hard yeah. rock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Not usually my kind of music, but when I was watching the movie, I was like, "This is really good. like I was enjoying it." So I'm like, "I'm gonna pick it up." And the fact that it came with the flexi disc for like two bucks more, I was like, "I got to get that." I mean, it's the drive-in anthem, you know, Mutant Oath. Um, and then another song that they did for the show. So I'm like, I'm going to pick it up. It's fine. Is that, is that the flexi disc has like the opening song? Like, mm-hmm. Hey, everybody have you, whatever that. No, it's the drive-in. Um, the yeah. It's the <laughs> anthem. The one where we like breasts and boobs and blood. And oh. he reads it when he does like his opening show for his shows. Cause so, I love the theme song opening theme mm-hmm. song. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was hoping that's yeah. what it was. Yeah, so, but it was two bucks more for, instead of the black vinyl, for two dollars more you got, it's like a white and black vinyl, and then you get that little flexi disc, which I didn't even know what they were, but I watched some YouTube videos on them. I mean, they seem pretty cool. I mean, and Mm -hmm. for two bucks more, I mean, so, and it's supporting them, it's. You guys just gave me a great idea. At at the next convention, we have a table. We're going to do spooky karaoke. We're going to bring a karaoke machine. Jason's Jason's (laughs) going to kick it off and then we'll see who else joins. And it also sounds that I'm, it also sounds like I'm slowly getting into Brian's head. We're going to get him out of his coffee shop house music and into heavy metal. He's going to grow his hair really long. I can't wait. Yeah. It would have to be my beard that grows really long because the hair on my head is not growing any longer than this. (laughs) Oh, you know, just, it barely grows now. Change, change your music selection and really focus on it. Put your mind to it. Anything is possible. But 
Well, so it sounds like uh, it sounds like adulting has kind of uh, dominated our lives this week, uh, but we're all still able to pick up uh, and a few things here and there. Um, but I think the real reason that we're going to be broke for a while is once the general public catches on uh, that Brian has a Joe Bob obsession and we learned last week that Jason has these crazy stalker skills. I think we're going to need bail money to get out of jail. So how about we kick it over to a sponsor? Cause we're going to need some cash. I am never going to financially recover from this. <laughs> Howdy y'all. I'm crazy Cletus. And I'm here to let you know that inkbeers.com is the official sponsor of episode 18 of the I like a spooky podcast. <laughs> I paid for this commercial with t-shirts. That's right. To celebrate being the 31st podcast on the preferred no, that's not it. Prescribed. Oh, damn it, hold on, I'll get it. Prescribed Films Podcast Network. Yeah. The Spooky Boys and Inkbeers.com are giving away two Halloween themed t shirts, two Halloween themed decals, and some podcast merchandise. All you have to do is comment on and share the social media post over the next two weeks. The winner will be announced during the, uh, oh, oh, hold on. What comes after 18? Well, hell, I don't know. That's why I asked you. The winner will be announced on episode 19, yeah, of the, of the I Like a Spooky podcast. And remember, I'm Crazy Cletus, and I want to see you with some T-shirts from inkmirrors.com. So we did get another audience question this week. We're doing pretty good on this. So we got a question from Brian Hoover. It says, hey guys, since you are covering Night of the Living Dead 1990, this coming episode, which would be last episode, which is my all-time favorite movie, I have a question regarding dates. In this film, near the end, when Ben is listening to the radio broadcast, they rifle off the date of August 23rd. 1990 or 1989 as the date the dead are returning to life always watch this film on this date due to that little snippet do you watch any certain films on certain dates that are mentioned within maybe jaws on the 4th of july maybe friday 13th films on those days etc thanks for the question brian so, yeah thanks brian real, real quick right off the bat i actually want to offer brian a job on the show here just because uh we talked about this on the Night of the Living Dead episode, and I remember I said it, that if you watch the movie, you really have no idea when it's happening. There's nothing that dates it, and I had completely forgotten about that little that little bit. So I'm glad that Brian brought that up. That yeah, that's the only point in that movie where they mention when it's happening. So, so do you have any movies you guys watch on certain days? Yeah, when I saw the question, I loved it. It's I think we've talked about this before, just like in general as friends that we, when we do this podcast, we try to find stuff that's relevant to the time and watching movies. Of course, you know, Halloween and Halloween time, but you know, now we're doing it in June, <laughs> but that's, that's fine. You know, um, I love Jaws, of course, around the 4th of July weekend. Like he said, that's a great one. Trick or treat around Halloween, Halloween, Krampus around Christmas, uh, Silver Bullet always is like a, a July 4th type thing because with the fireworks and stuff. And I think it's 
it's set around that time also. So, yeah, those are ones that I like to watch on those days. And, of course, you know, one of Brian or Brian's favorite movie, you know. Return. Sure, he can tell you about that one. What what date? What date is that? July third. Yeah, Return of Living Dead set in July third. I mean, end of the fourth July, and it even ends with a big fireworks explosion. (laughs) (laughs) The biggest fireworks explosion. (laughs) There's all kinds of movies with dates and themes. You know, like you want to watch. Mother's Boys around Mother's Day, or I, I like to watch Silent Night, Deadly Night, you know, around Christmas time. But the, the one with a specific date that I always try to watch on, um, and, and Jason has this poster and I want it. Uh, that's probably why he reinforced the doors and windows on his house so I don't break in and snag it. But um, <laughs> Maximum Overdrive, 1986, the Stephen King scripted Maximum Overdrive with Emilio Estevez. Um, that takes place on June 19th. So I always try to make sure to watch that uh, at least sometime in June. You know what I mean? Maybe if not on the specific date. Um, and what's what's cool is when I watch that movie, it to me, it just looks and feels like a summer movie. It's hot out. There's scenes with uh, the kid riding his bike around. And it reminds me of being that age in the summer with no school and the freedom of riding my bike around the neighborhood or all over town and stuff. Um, so, yeah. And so one more, and this isn't horror related, but it's kind of weird is um, the movie, any which way, but loose the Clint Eastwood movie from like 1980 when he has Clyde, the orangutan that has become a Christmas movie for me, which makes absolutely no fucking sense, but there's a story. So there was one year when, when my uh, two of my daughters were really little and one year for Christmas, I was really sick. And so I stayed home from going to the family festivities and that movie just happened to be on. And I watched it the following year. (laughs) My youngest was really sick. And so I stayed home with her and the movie happened to be on. And so I watched it the following year. My oldest happened to be sick and same thing. So now it's just, it was like a, yeah, it was like a message from God, you know, you got to watch this movie. So yeah, every year during Christmas, uh, I watch any which way, but loose. Right yeah, turn, Clyde. <laughs> yeah. <yep. laughs> yes. What about what about Die Hard? Oh, uh, Die Hard's a Christmas movie. That that's a whole show within itself. Is arguing if it's a Christmas sure. movie or not. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep, and Gremlins, and yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Great question by Brian Hoover, though. I met Brian and his wife uh, in March. Uh, I was at Motor City Legacy with Ink Mirrors Vending. Uh, they came up and bought. A children shouldn't play with dead things t-shirt that i offer which that, that that's a good way to judge if if someone's you know good people or not <laughs> if they buy a children shouldn't play with dead things you know t-shirt then you want to talk to them so great people we sat there and chatted um i guess brian's actually a traditional artist and he's reached out with me to me with questions about conventions it sounds like he's gonna possibly hit the convention circuit and um, sell some of his traditional horror prints so i'm excited to see what he's got if, if oh, his prints cool. are uh, if his prints are as good as his question, then uh, he should have some good stuff. Yeah. yeah and you yeah. guys, you guys were just talking the last episode about starting to get almost more into the artwork from the, the vendors the, um, in addition to the celebrities, you know? So, yeah, that's, that's all my walls are pretty much mostly artwork. 
I don't really have any pictures or anything. It's all artwork. So what do I, I go with, you know, night of the living or return living dead July 4th. I, I dabble a little more into the fun stuff. Like, um, you can watch Maximum Overdrive this year on June 19th, Clint, because it's Father's Day. So you just be like, listen, it's it's my day. We're yeah. doing what I want to do. We're all going to watch Maximum uh, Overdrive so today. Whether you like it or not. <laughs> but, uh, you know, around Easter, I watched the Bunny Man Massacre. Um, Clint watched the trailer, and he's like, I'm not watching yeah. this. He tried to get me to watch that, so I watched the trailer, and I'm like, mm, no, thank you. But, uh, you know, around Thanksgiving, I like to watch Thanksgiving, you know, the, the killer turkey movie. Because, I mean, it's fun. It's a turkey that's a demon mm-hmm. that's killing people. That's always fun. And um, Blood Rage. Yeah, Blood Rage. That's another Thanksgiving <laughs> movie that, you know, is fun. Um, Christmas Evil is probably my favorite Christmas-themed horror movie. I mean, you go back to, what, Bob Clark and... Uh, why is that movie escaping me? Black Christmas. Black Christmas. Yeah, Black Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, you could you could probably fill a whole year with movies every day of the year that had something to do with the date of the movie. That'd be a fun challenge, you know. Find a horror movie or a, a movie that corresponds with every date of the year. That'd be. I'm sure somebody's done it. Maybe they haven't, but mm-hmm. that'd be a fun once a week. Right. It'd be an even better challenge if there was no internet. You know, oh, I, yeah. come <laughs> I come up with things like that and be like, oh, that'd be a fun, you know, challenge or contest or just promotional thing to put out there. But you know that someone could sit there and, you know, find it all in yeah. an hour. But it still would it, be interesting it, to hear what people say. It makes me think of that ad, ad nauseum book that Jason and both of you have. How, like, that's just ads. But could you think of if there was a book? that was just ads for movies or snippets about movies for every day of the year. I would buy that just for the, mm-hmm. you know, be like, Oh, what, what's on today. And you could just flip to that day. If you weren't like in the mood for a certain movie or a certain kind of movie and be like, Oh, it's June 5th. What could we watch today? And then you go to that page in the book and open it up and there's the movie you want to watch. Oh, that'd be perfect. You know? Yeah. That'd be kind of fun. There's the next million dollar idea. So I learned recently that Brett Royer, who asked us our first question, he's, he's out there where you guys are at, that I didn't know he was an author. And yeah, so yep. I, see they, I see that he's written some, um, I don't even really know. It just looked interesting, but I'm assuming it's like true crime books from the Mississippi River or, you know, in that area where you guys are. It was scary stories yeah, about yeah. crime. So yeah. let's pass that off to him. That's the next million dollar idea, Brett. And uh, we know, get at least... Well, we get 30%, so we can split it 10, 10, 10. Yeah, uh, works for me. It was, it was Brian's idea, but we, we add a boydom with it, so we get you know 10% also. Yeah. All right, now let's get into the movie talk. It's two of the greatest movies ever made. Forget about Gone with the Wind. Forget about Casablanca. Forget about everything else. Here it is. Cream of the Crop top of every movie ever i mean not really but pretty close halloween one and two i i put both of these movies almost neck and neck just for me because i love them both so much i'm not talking i'm not talking about like they're not the best movies ever made or the best 
put together movies ever made, but just for me, they are great, great movies. So if, if you guys, re, if you guys remember at the beginning of this show, Brian said, these are Jason's favorite movies. He's going to be doing a lot of talking and Brian and I are going to take a nap. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. So, you know, uh, Brian, Brian and I, we ribbed Jason quite a bit about Halloween just because, you know, he, he loves these movies uh, and they're mainstream and, um, but he loves these movies rightfully so because Halloween as a franchise, whether people dislike it because it's mainstream, you know, or not it, the original Halloween, if it wasn't for that movie, there would not be all the cool slashers that followed. Um, it is the, uh, the granddaddy, like it says on the, the IMDB page, it is the granddaddy of the slasher film. Um, and the Michael Michaels character and, um, you know, everything John Carpenter, John Carpenter did with that. Um, even if you knock it, you're still going to go see the next Halloween movie. You know, I personally yep. think that Halloween kills was trash. I didn't enjoy it, but I love Halloween six and a lot of people hate it. You know what I mean? I think the problem is, is when you get in with these franchises, as time goes on, they get so watered down. And then all of a sudden you see cool, but funny memes of dads riding down the street on a bike with their, with a Michael Myers mask on and their kid in the back, you know, in the pull behind wagon. Mm -hmm. And, and so it just kind of becomes a joke that a lot of people forget that, you know, the origins of these films, Halloween one and Halloween two are great landmark trend setting films. Mm -hmm. Very well said. And licensing rights. I mean, it's, it's the king of all the horror movies out there. I mean, you get anything that has Halloween put on it is always gold, it seems like. I mean, there's been some crappy stuff, but it always sells well. It always has great value afterwards. Mm -hmm. And they don't, they don't just give their license to anybody. So that's kind of... Well, I, I think wish they did. I wish we had more stuff, but then... Maybe it would be oversaturated. And I feel like we bash Jason because, you know, Halloween's mainstream, but it didn't start out that way. No. I mean, it had a very small budget. It became the highest grossing indie film of all time. Like, it did not start out as this huge production. It started out as a small, what, three hundred dollars to $325,000 budget. And made sixty to seventy million dollars in nineteen seventy eight. Mm -hmm. I mean, That's it was crazy. just inducted into the American Film Institute Hall of Fame in two thousand six for preservation because it was so important and so groundbreaking. They just don't do that for any film. Those films have to have some, you know, artistic and cultural piece of history in those to be mm -hmm. in that film archive so that's super important absolutely yeah. it um it, it's right up there with, and in pop culture you know halloween michael myers the um the music john carpenter's music it's oh, it's yeah. ingrained in our brain just as much as when you go swimming you you hear jaws music in your head you know it's it's just a part of americana fabric really yeah, and John Carpenter put this movie together with, like we said, like the little budget, used a lot of his friends as actors and, you know, staff, and 
kind of grew from there, made this masterpiece. But like you talked about the music, without the music, uh, I wonder what this would be like. I should. I wonder if I could do that. I wonder if I could turn off all the music and just watch the movie without anything. Because I guess that's what happened at the beginning. They put it out, or they they made the movie, and then they showed it to some executive, and he was like, no, this movie's terrible. No, no. And then he added the music to it, and it changed everything. And now watching the movie, you have to you listen to that music. And like the opening... In the opening scene, you know, of course, it's, you know, the famous, the quickest sex scene ever. So they go in and he's stalking, watching his sister like through the window. And they have that long steady cam scene Mm -hmm. that was always said it was shot uncut. But I guess they did say that there was a cut in it. And there was a couple like, was there three cuts? Three cuts. And and you could probably find them because there were some spots where the screen went completely Mm -hmm. black and that would be easy enough. Like when he's panning from the window going back to the front or whatever. and Yeah, that opening POV was inspired by Orson Welles' Touch of Evil. Oh, really? Which I didn't look up what that was, but I mean, it sounded interesting. Um, yeah. yeah, Carpenter that... took like what other movies had done, like Psycho and Black Christmas, and built on top of that. And like you said, the music... I feel like if you watched it without the music, it would be a different movie. I feel like if you leave the music in there and watch it without any dialogue, it'd be a different movie. But you need the music more than you need the dialogue. I don't feel like you need that dialogue as much as you need that music. You know, right, a totally different movie, but there was I think it would still be great. In it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, I think don't he... bash it much, but you know, there was some bad acting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I know. Did you just say something bad about Halloween? You just. What? I'm. I'm glad I, we're recording this. I'm going to play this back for you. Yeah. I didn't say anything bad. What are you talking about? Uh, yeah. You know, what, one of the reasons too that I think Halloween was successful was because Brian just kind of touched on it, but John Carpenter's approach to making this film was he took influences from other films and other TV series and other you know pop culture things and then made them his own into this movie. He allowed those outside things to influence him. You see a lot of movies, especially in now in modern times, that really aren't successful because they're just trying to emulate movies like Halloween. They're not allowing them to influence them and make their own new thing. They're just trying to, I hate to say copy, but you know, almost copy in a way. I, copy or paying homage to it. Um, he, John Carpenter always says he was influenced by black Christmas. You mm-hmm. know, that was one of the movies he loved and you can kind of see it when you, we watched black Christmas and did that episode. Um, the breathing was yeah, yeah. like, like just like Michael Myers, but I guess, you know, he's wearing a mask. I would be breathing heavier too. Like, chasing down all these teenagers wearing a damn mask but well isn't there some talk of halloween being like a sequel to black christmas like almost like billy's been captured and he's getting out or wasn't there something along those lines jason where like this is the next holiday then the next one would be another movie you know like oh oh i don't know i've never heard that theory Okay. I've never heard that theory because originally I think Halloween was supposed to be called the, the babysitter murders. 
I think it just mm-hmm. got the title Halloween to make it more marketable, if I was correct. But I, I could kind of see it, though, because it's another probably mental patient. Yeah, stalk, yeah. Stalking teenagers, killing them. Who's to say that, you know, Mike or Billy didn't change his name to Michael and... <laughs> Well, they I guess he was a little kid at the time. I mean, it's like okay, yeah. you, couldn't, you couldn't tie him together, but just sounds fun to talk about, though. But yeah, so this movie was uh, filmed uh, like back in the late 70s, 77, and released uh, in, I think it released in Kansas City. And I just keep thinking about, man, how cool would that be to go be one of the first people like, Kansas City's a big town, but it's not like a Los Angeles, Chicago, New York, as far as I know. But how cool would that be, like, to know that you went and saw that at the time? I wonder if there's still, like, lifelong fans that did go see it in Kansas City. There's got to be. And we've talked about that before, that, you know, back then there were so many groundbreaking classic movies that came out. Um and of course, it, a lot of it too is because of technology nowadays. You don't have to go to the theater to see a new movie. You can just sit at home and, you know, pay twenty five bucks or whatever to to watch it. But yeah, there are no more there. There's no more big theater shared group experiences anymore, unless you're going to like a specialty event. You know, I talk about how great the movie is, but you know, it does have its flaws and. It's got its its own little bit of cheese in it and all this stuff. Like, I love, like, when he kills his sister, that's, it's cheesy. And then when his parents find him, when he comes out of the house, and they're like, Yeah, Michael. I couldn't tell if they were supposed to be, like, when it was panning away, if they were, like, they just were standing fro- there, like, yeah. or if they were frozen, like, as a period in time. I was like, well, which one is it? I thought that, too. I think <laughs> that they were just, they were like, okay, stay still. And because that's kind of like, like it seemed. Because yeah, when they were back somebody up, to move. Yeah. When the camera was backing up, you can see the glimmer on the knife like moving around like mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But they were just sitting there frozen. So, Glenn, I you're not from this area, but one of my and it was proven wrong on this movie, but one of my fun things is in Peoria, which is about an hour away, there used to be a state mental institution called Zellers. So in where I live, about 15 minutes away, is Warren County, Illinois. And I vaguely remember watching Halloween over the years that the Sheriff's Department in Halloween is Warren County Sheriff's Department. I don't remember if it was this movie or if it was one of the later movies. So I'm like, so if Warren County is where Haddonfield is, and I know these films are not filmed in Illinois, they're set in Illinois, but... Michael could be escaping from Zellers in Peoria and going to Monmouth, which would be a small town, maybe a little bit bigger than um, Haddonfield, and killing all these people 15 minutes from my house. Just kind of a cool thought that I've had go through my head. Um, But at one point in the beginning of the movie, uh, Dr. Loomis says Haddonfield's, or I think the physician he's arguing with or whoever the guy is, says Haddonfield's 150 miles away from Smith's Grove. So I'm like, oh, that doesn't work out. But still, kind of cool. I mean, it's, maybe... It's about uh, 60 miles still. Yeah. But so. Rockford, Illinois, which is up by Chicago, is probably about 150 miles, 200 miles from where I live. So, I mean, 
and there's a state mental institution there too. So I, there's probably I one they, everywhere. Yeah, I know. I doubt they looked into it that much. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say you just you just took the love for this movie to a whole another <laughs> level. I expected yeah, yeah. something like that to come out of Jason's mouth. Um, yeah. Wow, I I don't know what to say. That's crazy. Yeah, just kind of a fun thing to it. Yeah, just kind of one of those fan theories. Like I was telling Jason earlier, and he didn't know this, and actually some other friends on attack of the killer podcast were doing conspiracies. So they're doing fan conspiracies. And one of the conspiracies that people believe or have come up with is that Dr. Loomis, who is the owner of the hardware store, Sam Loomis in psycho is the same character in Halloween. And I didn't read much into it, but I gather he was in psycho. He was younger he owned the hardware store. He, the events happened in Psycho. He got a degree to be a psychiatrist or a psychologist, became a doctor, went to work at Smithsgrove, and Michael was his patient. So it's the same person. I that's mean, just it's, a fan. Uh, it's fun. I mean, it's that, and that's where that, the name comes from. That's a believable theory because, I mean, it's obvious yeah. that, that Alfred Hitchcock and Psycho were big influences on John Carpenter mm -hmm. making this movie. I mean, Jamie yeah, Curtis yeah. is in it, you know, the daughter of Janet Lee, who was, you know, killed in the shower in Psycho. Yeah, yeah. And then both of them were in other, um, you know, Carpenter films. So, yeah, I, I can see that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go back and watch Psycho oh. now because I, I kind of know what you're talking about, but I haven't seen it in forever. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and then John Carpenter has, has taken real life people and places and incorporated them into all of his movies. Mm -hmm. So I always thought Loomis was uh, Nancy Loomis is the girl who played Annie. Um, so I just thought that's where they got the name. I know Deborah Hill was from Haddonfield, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. So they wanted to make it Midwest. So they moved it to Haddonfield, Illinois, which there isn't one, which I kind of wish there was. And I kind of wish it was close <laughs> where we could go. Um. But yeah, for being as great as the movie was, I, I love like the flaws in the movie. I point them out all the time when we're watching it with my kids. And they're like, yeah, Dad, you've told me 20 times. <laughs> <laughs> I think the only one that I remember is at one point, Michael's hiding behind the bushes and mm -hmm. somebody's smoking. So you can yeah. see like the smoke in the... Which yep, yep. John I Carpenter's never... standing just off screen. I guess he's just smoking away. And some smoke like drifts right you in front see of them while they're acting, and yeah, you're yeah. like, "Oh, keep yeah, it in there." It's funny because I'm a smoker, and so I've run, I've run into that when I do video shoots, and that specific little little snippet, little story there, reminds me to not do that. You're like, "Oh, but I'll be getting ready to yell uh -huh. action." I go, "Shit, hold on, hold on, hold on," you know. I don't want to smoke going to the shot. I was just gonna say the only, um, you know, cheesy or, or goofball thing in Halloween one that uh, I was never able to really let go was how does Michael know how to drive? Mm -hmm. You know, and a lot of people talk about that is, you know, giving him driving lessons. Mm -hmm. Right. Didn't you hear Dr. Loomis? Someone at the area. He looked like he looked good driving away, but maybe he was swerving just off the scene. Who knows? <laughs> uh, Took off. Well, and when he stole the car, there was like another goof there. You can kind of see mm -hmm. like when he smashes the window, on like the more high definition videos, you can of They've course got see the, the wrench. wrench in He's his got hand. the wrench in his hand. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then going back to just before the smoking scene, when like the girls were walking home from school, there's some young people standing out on their porch, like watching the filming of the movie. They're like just standing there watching it. Yep. There's also like a, a cameraman or a, a boom mic movie. operator, like <laughs> hiding behind curtains. Like when Tommy Doyle yeah, keeps forgot saying about that. Seasonal. Yeah. 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 Uh, but so, so, I mean, of course. Oh, so you can what, see what's interesting is, is all of these little goofs, all of these little things. And the movie is still such an iconic classic. That, that tells you how strong the story was and how well it was shot and edited and put together. Mm-hmm. You know, the court has struck with everybody. And obviously mm-hmm. Halloween one did well because it made a ton of money. It spawned a bunch of other slashers like Friday the 13th who were like, Hey, I saw what those guys did. We're going to try to emulate that and do that too. And it made a sequel, Halloween Part 2. Mm-hmm. And 3 and 4 and 5. And but they're all... We're not talking you know, about those. That's another show. I know, I know. But just showing how iconic it is that it's, you know, right. been around. So are there 12 movies in the series right now? How many movies, like, in this total universe would there be? Do you know, Jason? Of Halloween in general. So you count all the originals with three, I guess, well, included. You know, well, then you one, count two, the three, two four, Rob five, Zombies six. and then the three and then new have, ones. Uh, is there Resurrection, 12? H2O, Or would 7, there be 13? Um, then Rob Zombies, 9, 10. Okay. And then 2018 and this one. So there's 12 right now. So yeah, so 13 will be this next one. Yeah. Yeah, because I saw a meme where Michael Myers <laughs> was making fun of Jason going, yeah, well, I'm getting ready to come out with my 13th movie, Friday the 13th Boy, you know. Like the budget of this movie was crazy. Um what stands out to me is I know they wanted to spend a lot of money on, you know, Donald Pleasance getting like an established actor in there. But I was reading that Nick Castle, the guy who played the shape just made $25 a day. And he was, they hadn't cast the shape. I've, I remember hearing stories like on documentaries or whatever. And, uh, he came to set one day or something and he's like, Oh, Hey, we don't have anybody. You want to put this mask on and wear it around and kill people? And he's like, yeah, sure. So, but now this guy goes to all these conventions. His line steadily has people in it. Charges like 40 bucks an autograph. Making bank 45 years later on this little Mm -hmm. movie. It's insane. Yeah, they actually had offered, um, Mm -hmm. was it Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee, the Donald Pleasance role, but they both turned it down. And he only got $20,000 for five days work. So, I mean, that's, oh, yeah. yeah. Which, I mean, that I'd take $20,000 for five days work. But for somebody like him, who was very yeah. well known and established in this genre, it probably wasn't a lot. I mean, but he's a great, he, I think I had talked to you about this before, Jason. I'm not, I like Halloween 2 better, but nothing outside of these first couple movies with Donald Pleasance will ever be as good to me as these, because you cannot replace him. There's no one that's going (laughs) to replace Donald Pleasance as Dr. Loomis. You could probably get Tom Hanks or whoever you want to pick that you think is the best actor in the world right now and put them in the new Halloween and say, Oh, this is Dr. Loomis. It doesn't matter. They cannot replace Donald Pleasance. 
So you'll never, to me, top these first couple movies with him. So I agree completely. I agree completely. But I'm going to say Christopher Lee could give him a run for his money. I'm not sure about yeah. Peter oh, Cushing, for sure. You know, but Christopher Lee could have. Uh, I don't know. I think he might have been all right. Yeah, yeah, but I'm yeah. Like any of those people, would probably have done well. But I don't think now knowing the role that he played in this movie and in these series that he could be replaced. Just no one's going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to see it. I, you know, yeah, yeah. I love Donald Pleasance as the actor and as Loomis. Um, mm-hmm. I keep looking for a Donald Pleasance autograph, you know, of course being the collector, if it's on anything Halloween, it's ridiculous amounts of money. I keep looking, keep looking. I had the chance to buy a Beckett uh, enslabbed in, in, in card. Um, it was like an index card, but it was in a nice case, and it was certified and everything, and it was like 250 bucks. And I'm like, oh, I can't pay that. I can't do that. And now I'm kicking myself wishing I would have, you know. So he's like my all-time grail person, and I don't want to see him replaced by anybody. Like, I can't imagine what it would be like. But then I guess if anybody else, like if Christopher Lee did do that role, I would probably be saying the same thing about him. I mean, I can't picture what it would really be well, like. Well, I mean, but... you got a taste for it in the in the Rob Zombie Halloweens. No. They put Malcolm McDowell in there, who I didn't think did a bad job, but I no. that shows you that shows you what you're saying there, Brian, is that you can't replace them because uh, it just it just wasn't the same. I mean, they have to, and you sort of see. You sort of see that in, in Halloween 2018 where it wasn't a replacement of Donald Pleasance, but there was a new doctor in that role. So you kind of get a feeling how it would go there too. Yeah, it just didn't have that that presence. You mm-hmm. Know? Mm-hmm. Going back to some of the actors in the movie, um, PJ Souls, who I'm excited to meet at Flashback this year. I've never met her. I've got a few autos though that I've gotten. Um, she was married to Dennis Quaid at the time. And mm-hmm. there's some pictures I saw for the first time recently where he was on set uh, of the Halloween movie, just like watching. There's some still photography of him. And they wanted him to play Bob, which was, you know, PJ Soul's boyfriend in the movie, which I thought that would have been great. But he was tied up doing some other movie. And I kind of wonder how that would have like changed his career and changed the movie and. I don't think it would change it crazy amount because, you know, like Kevin Bacon was in the first Friday the 13th. Before yeah, I mean, nothing against did, Dennis but... Quaid, but I mean, just the, the Bob character in Halloween. I mean, uh, he wasn't a huge presence in the film, so I think they could have had anybody as Bob. And you know what I mean? I could have been Bob. Movie would have been a lot cooler, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, going back, another one of the another one of the flubs that was in there that kind of cracks me up was like a whole timing issue was uh you know the scene when uh annie picks up Lori when they're like after school mm-hmm. she picks her up in the car and they're driving around smoking weed and all this stuff and um or before that when they're walking home from school they see the car drive by and the famous like hey jerk yeah, speed yeah. kills but michael has his mask mm-hmm. on at the time because you can see like when he's driving yeah. by he has the mask on well, then later on, after he picks her up, they are driving. They see her dad, who's the sheriff, and um, 
at, they're at the hardware store where the alarm's going off. Somebody broke into the hardware store and he's like, oh, all they stole was, you know, a couple knives, some rope and a Halloween mask. So there was like, if it's the, if it was Michael breaking in, that's another like error. And let's know, create, let's time. create a new theory. Hmm. Maybe, maybe there were two Michaels. Maybe oh. there were two killers like scream. Maybe so. <laughs> Maybe Ben Tramer, who they kill in part two, was one of the killers. Yeah. And then they get him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that would have been hours later than, like, it, after right. he broke in. Yeah, 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 like. So that's, I, I figured. Well, one of my things I thought was weird was, like, Dr. Loomis finds the uh, that truck for the garage, mm-hmm. like, abandoned. And, like, you never see him like call anybody to be like, "Oh, could you go check on this truck?" Like, where's the driver? Yeah. Or who, like, you know, but he doesn't mm-hmm. know. But it's like, this is just weird that like that guy is probably still laying out there yep. dead. He like, doesn't give a shit. Well, he is because they 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 pan. Remember, they pan and you kind of mm-hmm. see yeah, his yeah, yeah, bloody half naked body laying there. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's still there it, right now. Like the trucks broke down. Like maybe somebody like towed it away and they're redoing it but like his skeleton's still there whoever mows that field is like why is the grass always so fucking long right here <laughs> oh. yep <laughs> poor mechanic I thought man. The, yeah I thought one of the cheesiest parts was like when he takes the tombstone out of the cemetery I was like I, I mean I get it but I didn't like the whole, and then he puts it in the bedroom above the, yeah. you know, the dead girl. And I'm just like, what? I, I didn't need that. It was kind of just cheesy that he picked it up and took it with him. I guess, put it in the back of the car for, he knew he was going to use it mm-hmm. later. I don't yeah, that's, know. That's like, why he, that's why he stole the station wagon. He knew he needed room. He needed room. I he didn't see. steal a V dub rabbit, you know, <laughs> yeah. I want to see outtakes of him, like lifting that out of the ground. Like, because it was deep down in there. Did you see how big the hole was? Yeah. He just, there yeah. was no dig marks or nothing. Nope, just pulled straight out of the ground. Just pulled straight mm-hmm. out, yeah. Like Excalibur. Yeah. But yeah, Lori, like... Lori was still getting the best of him. <laughs> Lori yeah. kept eluding this strong man. No, I was thinking when, uh, towards the end, you know, when Lori's fighting him and she's in the closet and she takes the hanger, she stabs him in the eye, and then I'm thinking of the next movie where which I mean, everybody that's listening to this, I would imagine has seen these movies. Like he gets shot in both eyes. And I'm thinking this guy's keeping the doc, the eye doctor's <laughs> office going just by himself. Like <laughs> he's got so much eye trauma. There's an eye, eye specialist, head and fill eye specialist, or, right. you know, it's a new business that's opening up just to treat Michael Myers. <laughs> How would you feel wanting to treat him? Oh, we got this killer coming in and, Maybe he's a nice guy when he, he takes the mask the off. With a, you never know. Yeah, yeah. He got poked in the eye with a, a the, the hanger. Coat hanger. Yeah. yeah. And I love how they continue that to 2018. Because, like, I know the timelines are completely different here, but in 2018, mm-hmm. he has the messed up eye, like behind the mask, yeah, which yeah. is kind of cool. But what's weird is like 2018 is a direct sequel to Halloween One. So we're talking about Halloween 1 and 2, the original 1981 Halloween 2, which I guess in this new timeline doesn't exist. 
And then I guess Lori is not the sister, you know, in the new trilogy. This, tr- this film has taken so many turns. It's, it's hard to keep up with. I know it's got to be confusing for people coming it's, in. It, it, it's almost like a, a Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Every sequel was a director's attempt at almost rebooting the film with a different direction of story and adding different characters and, and <clears throat> trying to redo some of the mythology uh, of, of the origin, you know. So, I mean, you really got to pay attention to follow the timelines. But as far as Halloween 1 and Halloween 2, and I think one of the reasons that I like Halloween 2 um, just as much, if not better, is because it is a continuation of the first film. It's all the same night, and it puts a beginning and an end to this story, which um, was John Carpenter's original idea was Halloween was supposed to be an anthology series. Each movie was going to be a completely different story. Mm-hmm. In fact, um, I had read that in Halloween 2. Um, so, of course, at the end of Halloween 1, Donald Pleasance, Sam Loomis, shoots Michael Myers. Um, he goes out to look, and Michael Myers has escaped into the dark. He's like, oh, my God, I haven't killed this guy. Um, and then Halloween 2 starts and picks up right there. Everybody shows up. Lori, Jamie Lee Curtis is all banged up. And they take her to the hospital. So the majority of Halloween 2 happens at a hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and so when they get to the hospital, you see a scene where a mom and her little kid get out. He's dressed up as a pirate. And he, she's taking him to the hospital because he's got a razor blade sticking out of his mouth where he must have gotten it biting into an apple, which was an urban legend. That whole storyline there or um, subject matter was supposed to be john carpenter's next halloween film it was going to be something about you know poisoned candy or you know oh. razor blades and candy yeah where they just kind of tied it in right there yeah i, I think what because carpenter didn't want to make part two um i think there was a lot of pressure because of all the the financial success of the first film mm-hmm. you know i mean carpenter carpenter didn't even direct part two he wrote it and i think he did some additional scenes and you know of course edited and everything but um, it was almost like he was trying to get that scene in there just so this is what I really want to be doing this, this yeah. story with kids and razor blades in their mouth. I don't want to be continuing on Michael Myers. Um, in fact, if you go to the IMDB page and click in Halloween two, you could sit there for a good hour and a half and read all of the little fun facts, trivia, anecdotes, things. But one of the things that was mentioned was, Carpenter was having um, a hard time writing Halloween too. And just, he said it was a six pack of beer a night that got him through it. And that's where he came up with the idea of Michael Myers and Laurie Strode being brother and sister. He's like, man, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And oh, fuck it. Let's do it like star Wars. And they're related. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I thought in the first movie, he did such a great job. Like it's always talked about like in the newer movies, why is Michael stalking Lori? And I thought they sold it pretty well in the first one. It's just because she was there. You know, when he goes home, the first scene we see of Michael in Haddonfield is her walking up to put the key on the doorstep, you know, under the mat. So then, of course, Michael steps out and we can see from behind him um, that he's looking at Lori. And then he watches her go to school. So it just becomes like a stalker type thing right then. 
So may, yeah, maybe. Yeah, well, and you got to wonder. You got to wonder if it's. Um, he's like, I thought I killed my sister. You know, not mm-hmm. not in the Halloween two storyline, the Halloween one, like you're talking about. He sees her, and she's got to be the same age as his sister was when he killed her when he was a boy. Maybe he's like, yep. what the hell? You know what I mean? I thought she was dead. I guess I got to take her out. Mm-hmm. Yep, and she's sitting there. She's walking with Tommy Doyle, so that's how it kind of ties it together. Because uh, she walks away and he see, watches her. And then a little bit later, uh, he sees Tommy Doyle coming out of the school. And he was like, oh, that's the kid that was hanging out with her. So she follows him a little bit, like when he's leaving school. Maybe that's how he finds her again later. That's what I've always wondered. How does he know like where she is again? But I think he was always kind of behind the scenes stalking. And she was just there. So that's why he was going after her the whole time. Well, yeah, and this is before the internet, so you couldn't, like, look up, purchase history of houses Mm -hmm. and all that fun stuff, you know, like Jason does. (laughs) (laughs) And then all the the friends got in the way of it all, and they paid. And talking about bad acting, that that was horrible when, you know, Annie was getting killed in the car, getting strangled, and then she got her throat cut. Like, how she closed her eyes, opened her eyes— just to close her eyes again, like when she's dying. So cheesy. She was trying to sell that death scene. And I feel John Carpenter was like, ah, fuck it. That's good. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah. We don't have enough money to, you know, and then when they find Linda, keep reshooting stuff, when they find Linda in the, in the pantry, her eyes are like open, like kind of (laughs) cross-eyed or something. It's just, (laughs) uh, it's so funny. They were really trying to sell it, but Yeah. Jason's going to go to get meet these people. Hey, wait a minute. This is why you're sending me to get these autographs for you. I just got it. That's it. Yeah. Because Jason's going to go and they're going to go, aren't you the guy that said that my death scene sucked and that yeah. my eyes shouldn't have been crossed? I'm yep. not signing shit for you. Yep. Talking shit. Yep. <laughs> I got to, I got to say I'm shocked because, um, you know, even things that we love, they have flaws. I get mm-hmm. it. Um, but I, I really expected throughout this show that you, you've taken a completely different stance in this movie from what yeah. I expected you. Yeah. You've thrown me for a loop, sir. Yeah. Well, no, I, it, it still is like one of my favorite movies, if not my favorite movie of all time, but it does have its flaws, but its flaws are what keeping a lot of people talking about it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm well, still I mean, going to love it no matter what, but it's still a great movie. You've only seen it like 82 times in your life, so you would notice all those I think, flaws. I maybe. think 83 at least, you know. <laughs> 83 at least, yeah. Uh-huh. Like, you're going to notice all those things. You're going to pick it mm-hmm. apart. It's it's kind of like when you live with somebody or you're married for so long. You might meet somebody, and on the first date or the second date, you're like, oh, they're great. I loved everything about them. And then after you've been married for 20 years, you're like, yeah, they. you notice those things because you've invested yeah. so much time into them. So just like this movie, you've invested so much time into it. I asked, I asked before you came on, I asked before you came on, Brian, they've been married 18 years, not 20. 18 years. Mm -hmm. Okay. But today today is Jason. Today is Jason and his wife's Tanya anniversary. We were able to steal him away to, to record today. So happy anniversary guys. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Yeah. And and Bless I get to do my favorite wife. movie. Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My 
That's our present use, so we didn't have to buy anything. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I think my kids. I don't. They hate this movie. I don't know if they like really hate it, but every time we're like, "Oh, what do you guys want to watch?" And I'm like, "Oh, how about Halloween?" I'm dead serious every single time, you know. But they're always <laughs> like, "No, no." Or if I'm sitting down, you know, in my horror den by myself, you know, they'll they'll hear the Halloween music playing. I have all the soundtracks. I love listening to those. It's I watched the new Firestarter movie here recently, and it was a John Carpenter, and you could definitely tell the uh, Studio Six 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 had a lot of Carpenter music in it, and you know you can kind of tell with that. So, I mean, hell, he was even in the movie, which was kind of cool. So, yeah, yeah. But now we've barely so, talked so about Halloween first... too, though. Well, yeah. I've been I've been trying. You keep I know. It back. I'm sorry. And I'm... I'm sorry. Let, let's, <laughs> so I'm, let's keep this going. I'm good. I'm going to try for another segue here and see, see if it works. But so you just mentioned going back, um, you just mentioned, you know, that Michael's going after Lori. He sees her in the first film at the house Mm -hmm. with the key. And then she's walking with Tommy Doyle. And then you said that, you know, and then he kills her friends and anybody that gets in the way. So uh, you carry that over to part two. There's one death in part two that I've never been able to get behind because it was senseless. It made no sense. But he does. He will kill anybody and everybody he thinks is in his way to get mm-hmm. to where he's going, what he wants. But the very first kill in part two was the girl who was home alone. Yeah. He goes and he breaks into the uh, the old couple's home and steals the knife. And then goes right next door and kills her. And it just, it, for no reason, it made no sense to me. Everybody else that he kills, there's a reason. There's a purpose behind it. But Yeah. I totally agree with you, and that is one of the scenes that I freaking hate in the movie. Because, like, I picture Michael Myers, like, creeping behind the couch and jumping up at her. He doesn't do that, he, you know? He's always just there in the darkness, you know? But now he's like, I can just picture him crouching down and having to jump up and scare this girl and kill her. And No, I totally agree with you. Could have done without it, but... I think it just kind of, and why didn't he kill like the old lady and the husband? Like when he stole the exactly. knife. Exactly. Yeah. Just to yeah. go next door. And well, maybe she came outside and was yelling, you know, looking to see why this lady's screaming. And maybe. Yeah. And that, that got his attention. But yeah. Yeah. So. So Halloween 2, as opposed to Halloween 1, is uh, there's more violence, there's more blood. With that said, by today's standards, there's still not a lot of blood. Um, mm-hmm. But there was enough in it where it apparently got cut and banned in Germany. Halloween 2 did, which really? blows my mind. But yeah. Wow. So, hmm. uh, you know, like I said, Carpenter didn't want anything to do with this film for the most part. Um, and But he didn't agree with director Rick Rosenthal's direction, who was trying to continue that slow, methodic pace. And from what I read, Carpenter, you know, just didn't agree with that. He said it's going to have to be more fast pace. It's going to be... You know, everything that Halloween wasn't is what it's going to need to be. And so he came in and did a lot of the rewriting. And that's why it, it does kind of have a, a faster pace. Um, and like you said, the way Michael jumps out, I think that was intentional because yeah. they were trying to, you know, up the stakes and make it more modern. That's weird, though, because it wouldn't make sense because it's still just a continuation of the same night. So all right. of a sudden he's going to be like... He's like, shit, I need to get to bed. I got to hurry up and kill these people. <laughs> <You know>? so, <laughs> and, you know, got to get back. Yeah. 
and to Smith's Grove. Brian and I have worked in I got driving lessons tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Brian and I have worked in hospitals, so this movie kind of changed it for us too. Like I remember working night shift at a hospital and you would have to go down to the storeroom where there's they don't have any staff. You have to go down, get your own stuff and sign it out, or at least the hospital I worked at way back in the day. And it was scary as hell going into these dark places, knowing, you know, Michael could be there. Is this why you started working in the medical field? No, no. I think it just happened, but I don't think it's why. Huh. I want to go work in a hospital and get killed. Sounds great. Yeah. I guess we shouldn't talk about that since we're in the news. (laughs) It's funny because a lot of people that work in healthcare are like, oh, this is so unrealistic. This wouldn't be like this. But I was thinking about after rewatching it, I was like, I do remember working on a floor at one point on night shift where it was just me. And well, actually when I worked on the psychiatric unit, um, up in DeKalb, Illinois, outside of Chicago, you it was just from me the psychiatric and- unit. Yeah. They let me out. It was just me and one other nurse. I mean, there was other people in the building, but in that part of the building, it was just me and one other person. Yeah. Um, and then when I worked, um, at a hospital here, night shift on a pediatrics, floor it was just me and one other nurse on night shift most nights so yeah if you get to the right part of the hospital in a small enough facility you're not going to have much staff mm-hmm. i mean you're probably going to have the amount of staff that was at this facility and so it's not too unrealistic i did love how they tied the hospital into the new the movie so we have michael myers just kind mm-hmm. of walking around and the boy with the boom box on his shoulder comes walking by the victims have been transported to Haddonfield Memorial Hospital. Yeah, and then luckily, that's how we right found out where to go. And then if you see, like, right there in the scene, there's a big sign, Haddonfield Memorial Hospital, this way. So this Mike way, was like, yeah, oh, yeah. this shit's too easy. <laughs> so <laughs> it was kind of cool. It's like the boy with the boombox was Dick Warlock's son, who Dick Warlock came in to take the place of Nick Castle and mm. become Michael Myers, which... Again, one of my favorite Michael Myers. I love Dick Warlock in this movie and just his slow walk, his arms down at his side, creepy as hell. So good. You know, I, I read that um that one of the one of the ways he got the gig was he went into uh not Mustafa Akkad. There's uh one of the producers though, I can't remember their name. Dino, I just remember I can't pronounce it. Anyway Dino uh, De Laurentiis. No, it was no? It starts with a Y. You, oh, Ir- Yab, Yab. Irwin Yablons. Yeah. Yes, Yablons. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was Yablons. And he went in there in his office dressed as Michael Myers and just stood there and stared at him. And Irwin's really? like, what do you want? And he just, Dick didn't say anything. He's like, what are you doing here? And just Dick didn't say anything. It just went on to the point where Irwin was, you know, got uncomfortable. I was like, this is pretty jacked up. And then he took his mask off and said, can, do I have the part? You know what I mean? <laughs> so if there's any truth to that story, that, that's pretty interesting. But That'd yeah, Dick Warlock, um, Dick Warlock, I also read that he was trying to take direction from Deborah Hill. Like, hey, do you like the way my mannerisms? Do you like the way I'm walking? Should I be faster or slower? And she apparently gave him the thumbs up on everything he was doing. But then years later, criticized his movements, saying that he was too slow and whatnot. Oh. Um, 
which I thought if there's any truth to that, I thought it's silly because he did seem to move a little bit slower Mm -hmm. than Nick Castle's Michael Myers. But if you think about it, he should. He's been shot. His eyeball's been stabbed. He's been thrown off a roof. You know, he's not going to be ready to run a marathon. So, yeah. Wasn't uh, Dick, Dick Warlock had another son in the movie too, didn't he? I vaguely remember some, like he was, yeah, one of the teenager kids, right? Yeah, I think it was the two kids that came up to the cop and said, you know, we haven't seen Ben Tramer. He's been drinking. One of, one of those two kids was uh, Dick Warlock's other son. So Yeah. Well, and I liked how they tied Ben Tramer into it earlier in the movie. They're trying, mm-hmm. like, Lori has a crush on Ben Tramer. And then she's never going to get to see him, <laughs> you know? That's what I was hoping in, like, the 2018 or the kills, we would find out that Ben Tramer was um, her daughter's dad or something. Because, of course, the movies aren't tied together. So if Halloween 2 didn't happen, he wouldn't have died the way he did. Right. Yeah. Or Ben Tramer left Haddonfield and went to the FBI Academy, and he's coming back, and he's the lead investigator of the mur- <laughs> you know the new murders, yeah, yeah. <laughs> something like that. Yeah, yeah. I loved. The, I There's loved. Definitely the- been a universe created. Definitely a universe created. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I love like the characters in the hospital, though. It, I thought that it was pretty well put together. You know, they had like the main, the nurse, a couple of the side nurses, the paramedics there. That's probably how it would be in like a small hospital. Who knows how many patients mm-hmm. they had? They probably only had a few and didn't need a lot of staff. It it was annoying that all the babies were just there by themselves. And I was like wondering how many people gave birth to have that many babies. There were like several babies there. And they would just like leave them and walk around and do other stuff. And Michael was in there with the little kids. Uh, more more about Dick Warlock, but it sounds like he really contributed a lot to the film, not just playing Michael Myers, but uh, he uh, apparently all of the uh, the hospital staff there were actors from like a like a local theater group or something he was involved in or his mm-hmm. acting class or something like that. Yep. Oh, really? Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love I, I want to meet the paramedics, the guys, uh, Jimmy and Bud. I kind of want to meet them mm-hmm. sometime, get their autographs. That's always been a goal of mine. Fright Rags came out with the Halloween, uh, the Haddonfield Memorial jacket. I had to buy one of those. That could be my whole cosplay. Just throw on my paramedic outfit. And Hey, Brian. Yeah. Why is Halloween 2 one of your favorite movies? Because <laughs> it's better than the original. All right, cool. Thanks. And I... <laughs> I we I've had this discussion before on the podcast. Just because I like a movie more than another one does not mean it's better. I tend to like part twos better for some odd reason. I like Friday Thirteenth Part Two better than the first one. I like this. I like Tex Chainsaw Massacre Two better than the first one. Um, I just like this movie better. I I don't know that it's better acted or better kills or better anything i think it a lot of it goes back to i worked in healthcare for so long it's cool that it's set in the hospital there's more kills um watching the first one though i always feel like people said that michael wasn't in it a lot i felt like he was in it quite a bit he's in this one more um 
but I just enjoyed this one more. It's, it's more fun for me. Um, it was crazy. I was like doing research. This has a 31% on Rotten Tomatoes. Right. The first one has like a 96%. Yeah. I don't know that there's 60 points difference in that and the first one. And I know a lot of people go back to, well, you know, they ruined it because they said Jamie Lee Curtis is his sister. That ruins the whole universe. And I don't even remember that part. I do now because I just watched it. But to me, it's a little snippet of the movie that, like, I could throw out the window. I don't even need it. Was, it. It, it doesn't it was matter. It close to the it, end, too. It, so it literally yeah, yeah, could probably it, cut it, it out going forward. Yeah. Yeah, like, it. if you cut that out, it's better. If you leave it in there, it didn't really affect me either way. It, it's, it gives him a reason. I mean, if he needs a reason, it, it does that for it. Um, I love the, the Sandman music at the beginning. That was a nice change. Like the, you know, the mm-hmm. um, Mr. Sandman, yeah, yeah. you know, that's a fun, <laughs> like a, you know, fun add on to the movie. There's that you know? karaoke again. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna. Yeah. They played it at the end, also. This one's free. <laughs> yeah, this one's free on Tubi. The first one I had to pull a, a disc off the shelf. So if you're lazy and you don't want to pull a disc off the shelf, you know this one's free on Tubi, so you can watch part two without buying it or downloading it or you know having to pull a disc off the shelf. I know that's a lot of work for Jason sometimes. Oh, you have it though. I'm sure you uh, have like fifteen. Yeah, copies digital of it. Yeah. DVD, Blu-ray, 4K. Yeah. Yep, I got it all. VHS, what do you need? I got it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you got that. You have that uh, orange shell VHS that mm-hmm. I found you. Yep, yep. Yeah, I was at a Goodwill, Salvation Army one day, and I was just walking around, and they have a little case where they have, like, some of the more expensive stuff, which for Salvation Army is like 10 bucks, And uh, they had a clamshell of Halloween in an orange case. I don't even remember how limited it was. But it was like 12 bucks. So I bought it. I called Jason and asked him if he had it. And he's like, no, I don't have that. So I bought mm-hmm. it and gave it to him. Um, Hell yeah. It's cool. I mean, it's. No, I love it. You know. I've got one of those. I love it too. It's, it's yeah. There's yours, the dual cassette. So one's the movie yeah. and there's an extra with like the trailers and some interviews and stuff on it or something. Yeah. 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 It opens with like a sh- yeah, 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 movie yeah. on each side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 So was this the one that there's a tv cut for where donald pleasance is in like a conference room talking about michael myers is that the first one that's part one that's part one yep they did the tv because i know there's and they had to shoot like there's two more minutes or something but that's where we learn Mm -hmm. michael's middle name is audrey Mm -hmm. because that yeah really like the plant yeah yeah that's that's Mm -hmm. where it kind of came in right there and when they were talking about him. knowing no, Carpenter, knowing Carpenter, that probably was a, a reference to Little Shop of Horrors. Probably so. Yeah. 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 Yep. yep. Well, I don't know about you guys. If my parents called me Michael Audrey, I'd probably kill my sister too. <laughs> <laughs> like fuck these people. I've always said it. Audrey. I've always said I've never met a man named Francis who couldn't kick my ass. <laughs> yeah. Well. One of my favorite people in the movie. I talked about it a little bit, like the paramedic Jimmy. Um, he doesn't mm. do much in the movie. He's there. He shows interest in Lori. You think something special is going to happen. And then he kind of spends like the later part of the movie, like in a little twilight, 
he goes to try and find Nurse Alves, finds her with like uh, an IV. That's another thing. We learned that Michael can start his own IV or an IV on a patient. And yeah, yeah, an IV. Then on there a was patient. blood everywhere dripping and Jimmy slips on it and busts his head. And then next time we see him, he walks out to the car, collapses on the horn, happens to be right where Lori's at. But then at the end of the movie, um, we'll just kind of skip it. You know, of course, Lori survives. Everybody knows that. And she's being loaded in the ambulance. And like the version I watched was just her being loaded in the ambulance. The Mr. Sandman starts to play in the car. The ambulance leaves. But have you guys seen like the alternate ending where it's the same thing? She's in the ambulance, like just kind of staring off. And then you see like somebody with a sheet, like sit up like Michael does. And then the sheet comes down and it's Jimmy, the paramedic. So oh, he, I've never seen that. Yeah. Ever, never, oh, never. Yep. Yep. So that was one part where we found out like, oh, okay. So he did survive, but it also kind of gives her like a little startle again, which I thought was a great scene. I thought they should have left that, but they just kind of left it like the simple, like, oh, she's just staring off into somewhere. And I had to go back and I rewatched the end of part one again, right after it happened or like, I watched the end of part one because you know how they tie them together. It's like the same scene. Mm-hmm. But then at the end of part one, he sees that Michael's gone and Dr. Loomis is just like looking off, you know. And then on part two, it's the same thing, except that's another error in the movie where he says he shot him six times. But on part two, you hear seven gunshots. Mm-hmm. And then he runs. Then right after that, he runs downstairs trying to find him and he's yelling, I shot him six times. And. So that was another mistake and it's kind of cool. Like it showed like they didn't plan to end it there, but then they kind of did and just picked up right there or they ended it there. But then when they redid the second one, they kind of came in and shot like a little bit more of it. And and that movie, we just watched the air is the shit, the six shots or the air is the seven shots from a six shot revolver. It's just not physically possible. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. Exactly. Yeah. He's the fastest reload in the West. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and we watched, so we just watched Joe Bob this week and it had the monster club on it with Dr. Or, or Donald Pleasance was in it. And we were Donald making Pleasance, a comment yeah, yeah. about how he looks chubbier in the movie, but it was filmed. That movie came out in 1981 and Halloween came out in 1981 also. So they were probably shot pretty close to each other, but I don't know. Did you notice anything like that? You thought he looked, it, it was about the same time. You thought he looked he looked heavier in monster, like he Club. weighed more yeah, for some monster reason. Club. Maybe he didn't. Maybe just the, the dress, the way he was dressed, yeah, or something. Maybe so. or the, I guess he had the trench coat on yeah. the whole time, and you yeah. know these ones. Well, I mean, and in Monster Club, he's around maybe different actors. So, I mean. In the Halloween, in this Halloween universe, he's around a bunch of thin teenagers, yeah. young people. So maybe <laughs> it was just the, you know, it's like if I stand next to Clint, I look heavier. Yeah. Well, Clint's like thin, so like, yeah. you know, they're like, "How'd oh, you gain weight?" And I was like, "No, Clint's just really thin. Like he's." <laughs> like... <laughs> I got, I got a lasagna belly here. Don't let him fool you. Well, well, I think then, Donald Pleasance was a was a pretty heavy drinker too. I mean, oh. you know, if uh, if you're a heavy drinker, it's not going to take you long to put on weight, you know, especially if you're mm-hmm. sitting there eating a bunch of salty shit along with it and everything. 
I did like how they did the towards the end where they did the Lord of the Dead, the what was it, the Sam Hain. That was cool. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I'm a, I looked a little into that. That was interesting. Like, just kind of adding some layers to the story that maybe weren't in the first one. Yeah. When they oh when they were at the school and he was kind of given the yeah at the school it, yeah that's when the the mm-hmm. cop came yep, and yeah. took him away the cop and the nurse took Donald Pleasance away oh that yeah kind of yeah. funny he's like what do you boys do <laughs> fire a warning shot yeah that was hilarious <laughs> but then another cheesy part of this movie is when Lori's like she gets out of the car with Jimmy and she's crawling in the parking lot as Loomis and the sheriff and uh, the nurse pull up and. Mm. She's trying to scream, and of course, as soon as the door shuts, she's finally That's able to she scream. Can scream all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so close to being over right there. But then the cops. This one, there. like the first one, this one, like the first one, has a, a lot of the the little goofs. Um, there's a scene in the beginning where uh, Sheriff Brackett is riding around with uh, Doctor Loomis, and he's talking with the CB radio back and forth to another cop. And there's one point where he's got his finger on the button, you know, he hasn't let go and the cop talks and uh. <laughs> some timing issues, but probably the, the, the weirdest scene for me in this movie is right after Sheriff Brackett, I'm jumping back. We're kind of jumping all around these movies, but right after Sheriff Brackett um, discovers his daughter, Annie is dead and he goes home to tell his wife mm-hmm. and then Sam Loomis and like this, the other cop who's now in charge, I can't think of his name. They go, to the curb and they stand in front of the house and there's a crowd of people behind them, you know, cops, people watching the action, the one uh, blonde news reporter and Sam Loomis and the copper are, are having a dialogue back and forth about what they're going to do. And the blonde reporter is just standing there kind of eavesdropping. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. But by the end of that less than a minute shot, the whole crowd is just stopped and staring at them. Like the whole thing, Haddonfield town is just staring at him, watching their watching yeah. the conversation. It was awkward and weird. They just they were all interacting amongst each other, then they all just stopped and stood there. Mm-hmm. It was almost like they thought they were off camera, or, you know. I don't know. Yeah. Another cool thing I don't know if you guys know, and, and a lot of Halloween fans do, but you know Dana Carvey, like the church lady, yeah. he was in that movie. Yep. He was the young boy standing with the reporter, or the young guy. Standing yeah, he was with her assistant. Reporter. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of cool. I wish you would have. Oh, we could have cool. seen him yeah, a little yeah. bit better. Never really see his face. I don't think. Maybe just a side shot. So no, then, if it wasn't uh, for the credits, I wouldn't know. You, you can't pick him out. He's so young. I'm used to mm-hmm. seeing him older in the mid to late eighties. There. Yeah. 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 Why well, isn't that special? <laughs> <laughs> could it be Satan? <laughs> Coming back to the end of Halloween 2, though, um, we find out that Lori's a crack shot there with the gun. Right? That's, yeah. That's, yeah. That whole, that whole scene is pretty good. Like where Dick Warlock walks through the glass kind of awkwardly, doesn't even put his hands up, just walks straight through the glass. Yeah, just you know? walks through it. Yeah. They shoot him. He goes down. So the sheriff or the cop is like, oh, he's dead. And Dr. Loomis knows better. Like, he's still breathing. Get away. And then the sheriff, of course, doesn't listen. He was like, he stopped breathing. And then he dies, of course. And they run off. And I love how she he's trying to give Lori the gun. And she, like, doesn't want to take it. She's just the the little 
you know, she was like the the main lady in Night of the Living Dead. She was just a mess for the rest of the movie, just kind of mm-hmm. a train wreck. But until Michael's coming at her, then she finally picks up the gun and blasts him right in the eyes. That's that's another thing they could have done without, you know. But then I guess they want to blind him or something. So it kind of makes sense. I, I It was kind of silly. Did did she shoot him before he started the gas? No, it was, she shot him before. Oh, yeah. okay. Because I was like, that would... Yeah. Because she shot him in the eyes so and it blinded she... him. But then he's like swinging the, the scalpel trying to like just mm-hmm. find her. And then he yeah, starts, yeah. Dr. Loomis starts to crank on the gas. And like on to gas, confuse yeah. Michael and get him to come over that way. And then Lori starts mm-hmm. doing the same thing and... Well, and you had talked about like how you hate the ending because Michael's like burnt to a crisp and then you don't know what happens to Dr. Loomis. Mm -hmm. But then in the fourth one, Dr. Loomis just has like a little little, like grease burn on his face. And then like Michael Myers is like burn up all the way. So I kind of thought about that some more. I'm like, well, I guess Michael did have a latex mask on. So maybe that was part of it. I don't know. Maybe latex burns and really gets engulfed. Plus he had a mechanics jumpsuit on, which could Mm. have been covered in oil. So, but it was still like a pretty good explosion. Like it's Dr. Loomis is not going to survive that, but I guess, you know, movie magic, he does. There's that damn, that, that, the damn, the burning, the cropsy maintenance man thing again. You know, Michael's got the mechanics jumpsuit yeah, yeah. on. He's just, yep, yep, burning for days. <laughs> he, well, and that that burn at the end of that movie was awesome. Like when the guy's walking, whoever that actor is or the stuntman that's walking out as Michael, I'm like, that's a long mm-hmm. time to be on fire. Mm-hmm. That was a yeah. great. Stunt. He was really padded that's up. Like, you can really see he was padded up well. Yeah, yeah, you could. And yeah, then but still, you always like, know, like when that scene ends, like when Michael falls on his face, and then it cuts real quick right away, because you know that's when everybody was on him with like the fire extinguishers, yeah, and all yeah. that stuff, right. and yeah, yeah, that would be a cool behind the so scenes. Dick, shot. War- Dick Warlock did a lot of his own um, stunts in this movie. I wonder. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he did that that fire stunt as well. I yeah, I don't know. That would be a great question to ask him though, if I ever meet him. He's starting mm-hmm. to do conventions yeah. again, so none that I'm going oh, that's to. Good, but yeah. yeah, this year at least. So I don't know, but yeah, Halloween one and two—they're both great movies. I love watching them. I feel like I watch Halloween two a little bit more, just because I've seen Halloween one so many times. I've seen Halloween two a lot too, but if I watch Halloween one anymore, I'll kind of fast forward through all the stuff just to get to the. Michael killing people and all that, you know, just, (laughs) (laughs) uh, you said this, this dialogue's boring. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you've seen the setup a million. Let's get to the ghost pop scene. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's a good one too. Hell yeah. So what do you think? Should we rate it? Oh, uh, uh, you got two separate ratings for two yeah. different movies. So, you want to do all of us rate them both at the same time, or do you want to rate one and then go around and come back around? I think you go ahead and give us one and two at the same time. So, one and two, you want me to yeah, go sure. first? Whatever. 
So, so it sounds like we're going to rate this movie. I'll, I'll go first. So for part one, I gave it a rating of 8 out of 10 Judith Myers tombstones. Stolen from, just picked right up out, out of the graveyard <laughs> like Excalibur. Now the second one, I'm going to go, now this is kind of an odd rating. I'm going to go 9.5 bloody ham sandwiches. You know, like yeah, the ham sandwich. Yeah. He stole the knife and, you know, left some, <laughs> and he maybe he took a bite. Because you know that dog he ate in the first one didn't hold him over, mm-hmm. you know, so he's he's still kind of hungry. <laughs> that would have been funny if he would have stole like the sandwich and the knife. <laughs> Just, like, yeah, and she's like, "Where the fuck does sandwich go?" <laughs> no guy's like, "Where's my sandwich, Ethel?" <laughs> All right, what about you, Clint? What do you think, Clint? So. Um... You know, th- th- these ratings are going to be weird coming from me because I gave Night of the Demons a 10. <laughs> um, and I, but I, I do acknowledge that the impact of Halloween is greater than Night of the Demons. Okay. As, as well as the impact of John Carpenter as, uh, you know, uh, opposed to my, uh, Dennis Michael, or not Dennis Michael, but Kevin Tenney, who directed Night of the Demons. So anyway. Um, I'm going to go ahead and rate the original Halloween part one. I'm going to give it eight. And the the problem is, is the, the things that, that Brian said, that's what I was going to use. I was going to use tombstones and I was going to use ham sandwiches. He stole them from me. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I'm going to go eight tombstones out of 10. Um, And for part two, I'm going to go seven bloody ham sandwiches. Um, Just because... I, I don't know how to explain it. I don't know. One is a classic. It, it's it's just a, 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 there's not as many goofs, I think. You know, it flows better. Uh, so, yeah, I give one an eight, and I give two a seven. Do you guys want to? Now let's hear from the man. Do you guys want to take a guess Drum roll. at what I'm going to rake them? <laughs> but it's going to be the same for both of them. 15. I would say 15. I thought that. I I was thinking that. But now we'll just go, you know, both 10 out of 10, like really hard 10 out of 10s. Um, Unreceived Oscars for both of them. We should, Uh. there there should be a lot of awards on John Carpenter's shelf right now from this movie. But nope, we didn't get any. So, hey, for what it's worth, for what it's worth, and, and, in 1982, the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films nominated this, uh, nominated part two for Best Horror Film and Best Actor of Donald Pleasance. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Who did it lose to? Do you remember? I don't. I don't. Oh. Yeah. I know in 1981, 1981, part two got the Stinks Bad Movie Award for the worst sequel. Really? really? Oh, yeah. that's lame. Yeah, that, that's that was, like, that's what it goes to show you in all these films is people are going to love it. People are going to hate it, you know, mm-hmm. but I think actually what, what really um, proves a solid movie or not is its longevity. Here it is 44 years later for part one. You know what I mean? 40, what, one years later for part two. Mm-hmm. And we are not the only people sitting here talking about this movie, Mm-mm. you know, so no, no. 
So yeah. that, that right there gives you all the answers you need to know whether it got an Academy Award or not. It is still being discussed and, mm -hmm. and um, explored. So tons of money still being spent on products from this movie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just imagine like if that mask went up for sale, like how much it would go for. It's got to be over a million. Like it would be up there with like I a lot imagine, of the yeah. other iconic pieces. It's in rough shape now. Mm -hmm. I've seen pictures of it, but yeah. So, God, I wish I collected a long oh, time burned ago. Burned up. What the hell do you expect? They, yeah, they actually did burn up like some of those. It's like they're trying to, there's a lot of debate on like where all the masks are, but they know of mm -hmm. one at least. There were, I think, three of the originals and um, this mask that Dick Warlock had. It was one that Deborah Hill had, and she lent it to him for the movie, and then he, he kept it, and he ended up selling it years later to a haunt operator, not named Clint Tacey. Really? Yeah. For, and really? Like, I think it's somewhere like in Pennsylvania or something, or New Jersey or something. He This guy ran a haunt, and he talked Dick Warlock into selling it to him, and he owns it, I guess. Or last I knew, I, wow. correct me if I'm wrong, but it could be somewhere else. But yeah, I, I, an... I wonder if he uses it. I wonder if he uses it in his haunted house, or if he wanted it for, um, for a collection piece. Because I'll tell you firsthand from running a haunted house for years, mm -hmm. no matter how well you try to preserve and take care of your props and your masks and your costumes, they are going to get beat to shit. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, he didn't use it. I think he had it on display for a while, from what what I remember. This article was a few years ago that I remember reading this, but yeah, no, definitely wouldn't use it because it, it was falling apart, even just sitting there, you know. So they couldn't use. I it. saw I saw a bag on a collector's site on Facebook the other day. It was a bag, and I can't remember. It was I can't remember if it was up for auction or if there was a price on it. But I remember whatever the dollar amount was. I thought it was stupid. And it was a bag, and it just had broken up old pieces of latex that just you didn't even know what they went to, but it had a cert um, a certified on it that it was from Friday the third a mask from Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven or something like that. Oh. And someone was going to buy this thing, and it oh, was wow. literally like if I go grab an old mask, cut circles out of it, toss it in a Ziploc bag, and go look what I've got. I've got Michael Myers masks right here. Mm -hmm. Wow, I'm crazy. Sure. I'm sure. You would I'm make sure money. somebody would buy yeah, it. Just selling little chunks yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, look at the the Return to Living Dead. You see it all over eBay when you go on there and look for stuff. Blood from the movie or dirt from this yeah. part of a movie. or you Wood know, from like, Evil Dead uh, Shack. There's one. Yeah, yeah, Weevil Dead Shack. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's kind of cool to have something from the movie, but at the same time, it's I don't know what you're going to do with it. Yeah. I want I want some water from the hot tub in Halloween too. I want that in my collection. Oh, oh, hell yeah, <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. I know that's. I want that autograph picture of you know Pamela Shoop and mm -hmm. where she's being like drowned and pulled up, like you know tits and everything. Mm -hmm. I want that one signed. That would be. I don't know if they would have that at the table there. Maybe so. So. So funny story about the movie. I watched Halloween two last week and uh Finley, my three year old, had come into the room for a little bit and she was sitting next to me and um I think we were waiting on 
her mom to get done getting dressed or something so they could go somewhere. And it's when Michael's running around the hospital, you know, walking around the hospital. And uh, she's like, lady, lady, watch out. He's coming. Watch out. He's coming. <laughs> and then they laughed. And I was like, it's just funny. Mm-hmm. Like, even she knows that Michael Myers is in the hospital and trying to get you. And everybody else just keeps Aww. doing their work. You know, it was just funny. Like, <laughs> All right, guys. So uh, what do you guys got going on in the next month or so? Brian, what's going on with you? Uh, I don't. So it's Father's Day when this episode comes out. So hopefully, you know, get some nice Father's Day presents, spend some time with the family. Jack will be home for the summer. Um, he's here for three weeks, and then he's going to Ireland and Scotland. Oh. Um, he's going to golf on one of the oldest golf courses in the world, is what I hear, and go to the British Open. So, That's amazing. Um, yeah, so that'll be fun for him. Um, Tiffany and I and Finley are going to Indiana. We're going to go to Famous Monster Pizza in Decatur, Indiana, and we're going to go to Fort Wayne. We're going to stop at Kokomo Toys on the way home. So fun little family vacation Tiffany's mom will go with because um, she kind of always goes along with her on our vacations and spends time with Finley, and Finley loves when my mom goes anywhere with us. Um, other than that, just, you know, the next couple weeks of Joe Bob, um, season seven, and I think we'll all be on season eight or episode eight by then. So we'll only have about two weeks left of Joe Bob for this year. Um which that's always one of my highlights of my year. Um, we'll just have to wait for some specials that hopefully come and watch some movies and hang out and work. That's all I got. What about I've you? I've got another, uh, I've got a one day pop-up event coming on June 25th. I'll be in Lansing, Michigan with, uh, with inkbeers.com at Frankenfest, <clears throat> which Frankenfest mm. here in Michigan, um, they, they host two. They do one in Lansing, which is the capital of Michigan. And they do another one in the Detroit area later on in the year. So um, this will be my first one I've ever been to as a fan or a vendor or anything. Um, so I'm not for sure what to expect, but I know it's a, it's kind of a hodgepodge. I mean, they've got, you'll have um, uh, like circus performers and there's going to be cosplay. And there's, um, I saw the one in Detroit last year, there was like a large reptile display there's you know vendors there's artists there's i think they're doing like a ghost because this is going to happen at a an old building in lansing um so they're going to do like a ghost hunt later on in the night um so anyway yeah june 25th that's coming up for me frank and fest in lansing michigan uh after that i actually get like a month off to prepare for three back to back to back ones main event shows um from july to august and so I get about a month off to restock, get some sleep. And uh, we're doing a family vacation where we go up north every year to go camping, northern Michigan. So, yeah, that's about it for me. Awesome. Jason? Yeah, I've got nothing going on. Thank goodness. Uh, the month of July, I don't think I have any conventions, no plans. Of course, 4th of July is coming. So we'll probably just hang out around here, do some fireworks. That's about it, but nothing, nothing big. And... I like it like that. Yeah, I know Tiffany's talked about going to Hannibal, where she's got family in Hannibal, Missouri, um, around the 4th of July. So that's always fun because Hannibal's pretty uh, haunted, people say. So I've never, you know, 
I've never noticed anything, but I, you know, seems to be a lot of, it's an older community. So a lot of cool stuff there in Hannibal. You know, something else that all three of us do have going on though, is um, when we were at Midwest Monster Fest, halfway to Halloween with the I Like It Spooky podcast table, Brian had wandered over to Severn Films and kind of uh, put together this little cross-promotional thing we, we got going on. You want to talk about that, Brian? Yeah, so I walked over to the Severn Films. You guys know I'm a, I'm a physical media collector, so I had to look at you know their movies, and they were having a sale. And uh, I was going through the movies, and I have an app on my phone where I scan stuff to tell me if I have it already. It doesn't always work because I have like six movies on Blu-ray that I already have sitting over here. But uh, the guy was kind of laughing at me and uh, had seen my shirt, and he said, oh, you do a podcast? And I was like, yeah, I do a podcast. And he's like, yeah, recovered any Severn films. And his name was Matt Harding. He's a super nice guy. And uh, he's the one of the Midwest Severn reps for the area, and I said, no, I've never done a, we've never done one, but we'd love to, you know, they have a lot of great stuff. And uh, so he's like, well, come back, you know, talk to your co-hosts and come back and let me know what you think. So I got to talk to you guys and we'd went over there and I'd kind of talked to him about what he thought was a movie that he loved that doesn't get enough attention. So he talked to us and we are going to cover Beyond the Darkness. It's got several names. That's something we'll talk about on the next episode. But um, it's a Dario Argento, and he also did a shark movie. Um, can't remember the name of the shark movie for the life of me. Um, but we're going to do Beyond the Darkness. We're going to talk about that. We're going to contrast because that's a great movie, supposedly. I've never seen it. And the shark movie is an awful movie. So we're going to compare and contrast. And uh, thanks to Matt and Severin for you know, sponsoring the movies and uh, letting us cover both of those movies for the podcast. So that'll be fun. Yeah. And I don't think any of us have seen this movie yet. Have we? I haven't. Mm-mm. Nope. No, so no, no. Nope. Gonna... I've not seen any of them. I'm excited to do that. Cause the past few episodes we've done movies that are pretty well known. A lot of people have seen, you know, that we have all seen. So it's going to be interesting to discuss something brand new for all of us. Yeah, dig a dig a little deeper and get Jason into some of these bad <laughs> Italian made movies or good oh Italian boy. made movies. Yeah, that uh, kind of outside of his wheelhouse. So that's always fun, yeah. you know, to kind of go outside your comfort zone, that new stuff. Might replace Halloween as your no, favorite movie no, ever. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. You couldn't do that now anyway. You'd have to like redo your whole yep. basement. Oh, yep, yep. <laughs> Well, thanks everybody for listening to this episode of the I Like a Spooky podcast. Take care and we'll see you next time. Check Bye. out our socials. <laughs> Hey, what's wrong with you, man? Show some fucking respect for the dead, will ya?